0: All right. Thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Kentucky Dad podcast brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. I'm Drew Brown. Today, I'm going to have a a great guest with me. Justin Rowland from Rivals is joining us. But first, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode of the Kentucky Dad podcast with TJ Beisner, please go back and do that. Something I'm really excited about right now. I think it's going to be good content that everyone can kind of enjoy while we're on this lull of no sports. And you know, for most of us dads and family people, it's all we talk about anyway. So why not kind of have a podcast dedicated to getting some of these Kentucky-related sports figures on and hearing a little bit about their family, learning a little bit more about them. So a little bit different from the Cats by 90 podcast that you may be used to listening to on SB Nation's network, not as much timely Kentucky news, but more so kind of peeling the layers back on some of these guests that are willing to join me. So Without further ado, Justin, man, I really appreciate you um, coming on and being our second ever guest.
1: Yeah, man, I was honored that you asked. I was honored that a couple of people volunteered my name and thought of me. Uh, this is a really cool, unique podcast idea and, and definitely something a little bit lighter than, than the kind of thing that I normally talk about. And I think during, you know, everything that's going on in the world, that's probably a good thing right now.
0: For sure, you know, and to my point, like, it's, it's so true that guys like us and, and fathers, we're going to talk about our kids anyway, you know, like we get asked stuff and it's always relatable back to the family and kind of our first job first. So I thought it was a good idea. And yeah, your name came up a lot. I know um, TJ's did, too. So I appreciated him joining me. And I know that I, it's impossible for me not to, to talk about my kids anytime I do radio or, or meet people or anything. So I thought it was going to be a good fit for all those people that fall on the same lines. But um so, Justin, obviously, so you're the publisher of Cats Illustrated. Um You work with Rivals. And why don't you just a little bit just kind of break down um, your role with them, how long you've been doing it and that kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So it goes back a long way. Actually, I think I'm 34 years old now. I think (laughs) I have to think about my (laughs) age. And um, uh, I started doing part time football recruiting, writing work, research work, interviews for rivals. Right. Really, you know, at the dawn of the Internet recruiting uh era back when i was i want to say 16 or 17 years old i was a user on these uh these websites i think you know the rivals site back then for kentucky was Catspaws, and i was a user on the forums and i noticed a banner ad that said we're looking for writers so rivals was trying to grow its company it was owned by alliance sports then and not by yahoo And uh, I reached out and said, I'm interested. I don't think I led with my age at first because I thought that would be working against me. But uh, Mike Farrell, who has now become the the network's national director of recruiting, uh, done very well for himself, was the person that uh, brought me under his wing, taught me how to cover recruiting, to write about recruiting, to think about recruiting. And so for the next 10 years or so, As I was going through college, as I was meeting my wife, as I was stepping out into the workforce, I was taking on more and more and more team sites just in terms of the recruiting. So I covered Kentucky football recruiting, Virginia football recruiting. And I was just just from my little island in the middle of the country. I was writing about recruiting for at one point 10 to 12 different teams. And it was taking up a lot of time and I was making good money. And, uh, Brett Dawson, the previous publisher of Cats Illustrated brought me on as a part-time recruiting writer for Kentucky right around the time Mark Stoops took over. And, um, I guess it was a match made in heaven. I mean, people, people on the site liked me. I liked them. I was experienced by that point. And so when Brett left, um, you know, the people at Rivals approached me and said, you know, we want you to be the publisher, but you got to cut back. You can't do all these other teams. So that's, that's how it led to this. And, uh, and I'm grateful because it's an awesome job. Very cool. That, that's kind of similar to our first guest, um, TJ Beiser
0: and the fact that, so you're not kind of like guys like me and, and many of the people that kind of do this stuff to where we were kind of born and raised with it. And, you know, it, it obviously
1: has, you know, some element of fandom in it. So you're not even from Kentucky, right? No, that's right. Right outside of St. Louis, Missouri. And it's actually, it's actually funny. When I got the publisher gig, John Tallman and Greg Lagkey, some of the guys' with rivals like, all right, well, when do you plan on relocating? And I told him, well, let me talk it over mm-hmm. with my wife because I think at this point we had just had our third kid, and um, basically what I came back to him with was I, I'll, I'll move if I have to, but I would really prefer not to because her family is very big and very helpful when it comes to the kids. And we've since had two more kids, mm-hmm. so we've got five kids all under nine. And so what I was, yeah, five kids under nine. What I've essentially or under ten. What I've essentially done is I've hired Jeff Drummond. Uh, to be our managing editor from there in Lexington, I've hired um, uh, Travis Graff from from Louisville, who who goes to all the football and basketball games and all of the press conference stuff. So those guys do the day to day legwork, you know, in terms of the, the beat. And I guess I, I operate the site and deal with users and kind of keep a bird's eye view of the content from from uh, from where I'm at. So. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I should have teed you up. I had like, I took a little bit of notes prepared and
0: that was like, oh, I was going to try to do this big lead in <laughs> to the being, being 34 years old. And now, and you know, I knew you had five kids. I don't think I knew they were all yeah, under 10. Yeah, you, so. you buried the lead. You buried the lead. Totally crazy. I did, man. I did. So, well, that's good though. Cause I, I wanted to actually mention earlier too, that like, we don't actually know each other that well. Nope. So Justin and I, I mean, we've kind of, you know, passed, crossed each other's paths online and stuff, but I've never spoken to you all as I know about, it's just one I've heard from. I am friends with Travis Graff, whether that's a, a good or a bad thing. The listeners can decide, but, um, I live in Louisville. So me and him, uh, we link up quite a bit. He, he keeps me young. I'm, a, I'll be 32 in a few weeks. And then Justin, I have, um, a 12 year old daughter and a one year old son. So yeah. I was just, I was just texting you right before we came on that I literally was just bribing my older one. Um, to watch the younger one. And it's kind of love right now, though, Justin, because there's nothing to bribe with. So it's basically like all I had to bribe with was like a literal car ride. I'm like, we'll just get in the car and we'll drive somewhere. And so she was all about it. But I'd love to hear, Justin, so why don't you tell us your um your kids'
1: names and ages? Yeah, so we've got Gregory, and he is our oldest. He's nine. He'll be 10 in, uh, in November, um, born right around Thanksgiving. Then Thomas is seven. And he was born in uh, in April, so he's got a birthday coming up. He'll turn eight in, I want to say, 13 days, about two weeks. We've got Matthew, who is six, and his birthday is in September, September 1st. Uh, we have Elijah, who is three, and Isabella is our first girl, and she is... Oh, uh, I was waiting for the girl, yeah. man. Oh, man, we, that's scary. We, we, we a were minute. waiting for our basketball team, and we're waiting for our girl, and so she's... 15 months old she's our first girl she's got me completely wrapped around her little finger and I gotta say like having a girl has been a complete I thought I had seen pretty much everything in parenthood in terms of the age you know at least within the ages I've experienced so far but just Mm -hmm. the feeling of having a girl has been totally new for me I mean it's different worried about things 15 years down the road that I've never worried about before so you know it's it's been awful exactly Yeah. All right. Let me walk you through my algorithm because you would be, you would
0: be a very good person to bounce this off of and get feedback because so far in my experience, it has just been like complete factual. So my daughter, again, I was, I was really young. I had my daughter. So when she was born, I was a young parent. I just, whether I was just naive and don't remember or that that was the way that it was, like I really didn't have any like, um, I don't know what type of issues to call them. Just like, chaos energy like just running around and just acting crazy. She was so basically easy for me, honestly from like zero to ten, which and now she's a preteen. It's just everything's hitting the fan. But my son from zero I guess he's he's very close to Isabella. I think he was born in um February of last year. So he's about what 13 or 14 months. Mm-hmm. And he's I'm just trying to like keep that kid out of the emergency room and the urgent care like as much as possible. He's a daredevil. He's wild he's stubborn so I don't know if you saw those differences, but, um, I'll, and I'll tee you up right now. Uh, the preteen daughters get real tough. So enjoy it. while you can. Yeah. I've heard,
1: I've heard that, but, uh, no, I, our first one, Greg is, you know, he is, he's an awesome kid, but he's, he's very, uh, let's say bullheaded. He, uh, <laughs> he, he's definitely rambunctious. He is all boy. He's a hundred percent boy. He's, uh, He he made sure that there was never too much quiet, peace, or calm in the house. And he's made sure that all of the others have had to kind of be tough and rough and tumble just to kind of survive around him. But, yeah, he's awesome. He brings a a steady energy to the house. And, you know, I I don't think we've ever really had one that's, like, really calm because even if they were kind of disposed to that, they've had to be loud to to be noticed. They've had to be loud. Right. And so it's been... The chaos energy was there from the start and it's only built over time. Yeah. Oh, well,
0: man, I just have so many questions about the logistics of this now that I have two kids because it just, my days seem infinitely impossible. So I can't imagine, but I think my first question for you would be, was this the plan with you and your wife? Like you guys always know you wanted to have a big family or is it just, man, you're looking back nine years ago and it's like, wow, you know, this is just kind of how it happened.
1: I mean, I think this was always the plan. It's interesting. I, I'm an only child. And so this okay. is completely uncharted territory for me. Like I think by uh, like left to myself, I'm the kind of person that would embrace a lot of peace and quiet. I like to read. I like, you know, some solitude. I like I'm I'm not I wouldn't call myself an introvert, but I, I like to recharge my battery just kind of with some quiet and some alone time at the end of the day. And I haven't had much of that for the last nine years. And um you know, my wife comes from a big family. She had five siblings. She has five siblings. And I think that, you know, when we got married, that was just kind of expected. You know, we that's that's we, we've we never set a limit on how many kids we're going to have. It's been something that we've talked about and it's been, you know, an ongoing topic of conversation. Um, But, you know, I, I always tell people like we haven't regretted one yet. So if we, if we ever get one that I regret, then that we'll know it'll be definitely time to stop. But, you know, I just try not to. Try not to say, you know, no, never, you know, making decisions for the future. So that was going to
0: be my next question then. So it sounds like then you're you're totally leaving the door open. You're like declaring for the draft without hiring an agent as far as, um, you know, another kid being on the oh, table, the, it sounds the, like. The
1: best predictor of future performance is past performance. And <laughs> in the last nine years, right. for any indication, we have one about every two years. And I think, uh, I mean, she – we. We've talked about this a lot between us. I mean, she she's done so much. She's been pregnant for so much of our marriage, and she's been brushing oh so God, much of our marriage, and she's been pushing herself physically for so much of our marriage. I think I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into our longest break between kids if we do have any more. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, you know, I, given how how young we still are, it it wouldn't shock me if 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 more might be in the cards. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. I was talking. I was kind of like,
0: I mean, you would know better than anyone, you know. I had to make sure to kind of carve out some time when I got off work. I was just talking to the family last night, like, "Hey, I got you know, I got an awesome guests coming on the new podcast tomorrow." So, like, you know, for this hour, I'm going to be a little bit busy. Yeah. And then I'm like, "Yeah, he he's 34 and he has five kids," and like, my wife's face just shut because she wants another one too. So I, I think she and she liked to hear that, but my <laughs> daughter was kind of like, "Oh wow," because. She had just gotten to that point, being a twelve-year-old only child, where she never thought she was going to have a sibling. So she was just thrilled, and I think she she w- wishes she kind of would have um went into a big family like that. But what about this though, Justin? So I was thinking about you today too, with everybody else kind of um well, except me, but a lot of people um now switching from the regular workforce to the work from home force. I'm assuming you always do that. Yeah. So like, how do you manage? your job? Because I know until you do this, it's, it's not easy. I mean, you, you get a small case of writer's block one day and I mean, it's going to be a tough one. So how do you just manage all the, the household stuff and still get your job done?
1: Well, I mean, it, I wish that I had more structure built into my schedule and I had more discipline in terms of, you know, okay, this is when I'm going to work. This is when I'm going to be home. Like one of the, one of the difficulties for me with this job is when you're home and the kids see that you're home, you know, they think you know, dad's here. It's time to play. And and I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. really guilty sometimes when they see me and I've just got my face buried in a computer, my face buried in a phone, because they don't understand. They don't look at that and see that's work for them. Their understanding of work is what they've from television, from friends. Their dad's going into an office, and then when they come home, they're presumably, you would hope, present with them. And so presence is something for me that I try, I try to, I try to set boundaries in terms of. I, what parts of the house I'm working in. Again, not always great about that. I had gotten to where I was working in coffee shops a lot. I I would, I would work in libraries. I just go somewhere to be out of the house for, for the bulk of my day. Um, so when I come, you know, I can, I can be present and I can put work behind me, but you know, when you work in news, you know, you, you can plan ahead, you can plan content, you can, you can respond to people who are on the site, but you never know when something happens or just sometimes you have to drop everything and focus on that. So um, it, it's it's really a testament to my wife. She's never complained when I've said I've got to do this. She's never complained about dropping whatever she's doing and, and just taking it all on herself. So, you know, they say behind every good, good man is a good woman. I think I think yes. a testament mm-hmm. to
0: that. I'm a hundred percent there with you too, because obviously, you know, anything that I do for a seal blue or ESPN 680, I mean, it's part time to me and you know, I'm, I can make a little money and things like that. But I know that my family definitely views it as, you know, more of, of a hobby than anything because they know I'm going to work every day at the bank. So I'm right there with you in the fact that I'm, I'm just any success that I've had has just all been due to them being supportive of me and. You know giving me time to do stuff like this when I have a free minute and um, just all that kind of stuff so I, I know for sure because it's and again to the type of content that we're in and the people that absorb this content to them many times it probably just feels like you're sitting at home with a big smile on your face just you know doing what they wanted to do I guess um, but it, it is work and it's hard work and it is it's it's eight days a week because news is breaking and you know when your site's predicated on you know getting people to subscribe and click, you know, you being a a proponent and timing with that is so important. So I'm sure that's challenging. And, um, especially, I mean, so what did you guys do daycare or what? Cause I mean, you don't, you have
1: what three, two that aren't in school, three that aren't in school. My wife is a stay at home mom. And so we've got three in school, third grade, second grade and kindergarten. And, uh, we've got the two who are at home, Elijah and Isabella. And so they're home all the time. Um, I guess this is, the best comparison for for this time for me in terms of work is the summer. This is what summers are like for me when all the kids are at home and I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, part of it is is just being a little bit creative and willing to be flexible. Like I'm I'm kind of a night owl anyways. And so if I can sit down uninterrupted peace and quiet for two or three hours as a type A personality at nighttime, I can plan a lot of content in advance. Again, you can't plan for everything that's going to mm-hmm. happen. But that time is really important to me, and I'm usually pretty constructive with that time. The great thing about this job um, is you you can I can um, I can have a lot of freedom to to plan to do things that a lot of other dads or husbands just can't do. Like you know my wife my wife mm-hmm. is pregnant. You know every month when she's going to see her OBGYN, I get to, I can go to those appointments. And every time a kid needs to go to the doctor, I can take them there. If if the kids have anything going on at school, I can go and be present at the kids' school function. Or and so so I'm I'm very present in their lives throughout the day in terms of appointments and 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 things that I get to do with them. Um, and so it's hectic, it's stressful, but on the whole, I'm able to be more be there more often than I otherwise would.
0: That's a great point because I have a good kind of a correlation to that because my predominant work history, I actually worked at Best Buy, like the electronics retailer. I worked my way up. I was like a general manager there. Loved it. Great job. Great company. Buy your stuff from there. But you know, th- that time it was like, you know, it was holidays. You don't have any every holiday you're working because appliances are on right. sale or something like that. So I moved to banking. So I, I have literal banker hours now. But it does not provide me that same flexibility because you know we're nine to five minimum Monday through Friday. So even if I have a doctor's appointment or the kid or definitely stuff um, within the school day, so I do I miss a lot of that. So I think there's something to be said for that. You know, when you have a job, I think they could provide you some flexibility. And I'm really lucky. I work for a good company and have a pretty good um, branch to where I'm able to have some flexibility. But for many people, you know, you think that's the best schedule to get to that that banker type hour job and in many instances, it's not because you're just you're just totally unavailable for the, you know, the things that yeah, matter.
1: I, I mean, everything comes with its own challenges. I think that's that's it's it's really what we make of the schedule. Um, I, I can say, you know, in spite of the, the the positives, there are a lot of times when I think my wife just wants to kick me out the door and say, go, go somewhere else. And get out of my get off my turf, because, you know, if I if I'm here and I'm working inevitably, you know, People are going to be clamoring for me. They're going to be asking me to do things. I'm going to be hearing things that, 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 that make me jump up and try to go take care of a situation. A lot of times she just doesn't want me to take care of it. She just wants me to stay, you know, and do what I'm doing and let her have her domain. And so that, that's a very difficult, tricky situation to navigate. Um, and I, I think I've gotten better at it. Um, and we've gotten more patient with each other about it. But yeah, every situation is going to come with its own, with its own set of challenges. Yeah, I can't imagine, especially. I mean, you guys have such a uh, a challenging
0: dynamic. Like, I would love it too, and you've mentioned that because you guys get to spend a lot of time with each other. But man, having you know, her, she might as well have three full time jobs, staying at home with um the kids, and then you having a job that's very, um, you know, needs a lot from you within your house and stuff. So that that is challenge. I'm sure you guys have to probably butt heads um every now and then. I would say to say the least, because one of my next questions for you was. How much things have changed with COVID-19 and what does that look like for you? Because I've quickly self-discovered that like I would never want to work from home. I don't think that I'm really cut out for like I really do need to like get dressed, go somewhere, kind of be told what to do a little bit. So has much changed for you, you guys with that or you you haven't? I mean, I guess. No matter what, you know, looking for other forms of entertainment and stuff, but what does life in the Rolling House look like now that, um, you can't go anywhere?
1: I mean, the the kids have this, uh, this distant learning, distance learning thing set up where they've got these, these websites Mm -hmm. and these apps that they're doing all of their work through and they're essentially doing like a full school day worth of work here at home. And my wife is overseeing that and managing that. And I don't see how she keeps up with it. Like, I, I've tried to help out with it. And I'm just getting lost in terms of like, I don't even know the passwords for half the things that they have to log into. And, you know, they've got to they've gotta use all these different, you know, piece of technology for, for Zoom meetings with teachers and whatnot, and just communicating with teachers and everybody at school. It's very it, it it's time-consuming, it's complicated, it's complex. I am helping out some with that. Um, I'm helping out with their homework and when they're doing projects and things like that. That's taken up a lot of our time. That probably takes up a good, I would say, four to uh, five hours out of the middle of the day is just just doing schoolwork with them. And uh, aside from that, we're going outside a lot. We got the water table and the sprinklers out for the first time mm-hmm. today just because the weather, uh, the, the heat spiked up. And, you know, that'll be nice. Um, as, as it gets warmer and warmer. Um, I, I love exercise. I like to exercise for about an hour a day, um, either weights at the gym, which is, you know, off limits now or running, jogging, um, running steps, anything outdoors. And so I need that time to recharge and, and, and kind of, uh, take care of myself as a person and make sure I'm staying balanced and healthy. Um, but, you know, we're watching a lot of Netflix. We're watching a lot, a lot of YouTube. The kids are obsessed with video games like they love Fortnite. They love Minecraft. They love these games and they love watching TV shows about these games. And I don't quite understand that. But, you know, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's similar to a lot of what, uh, what a lot of other people are doing right now. Yeah, I'm with you on the weather. If the weather hasn't been, it's been pretty
0: nice here in Louisville. Really nice. Actually, we've had some some slam dunk weather, which is. I don't know what I would be doing without it. it. It's been welcome. We have, but we just got a water table for the little one too. So we've been getting that out. And yes, I'm thankful that the the warm weather's coming. Maybe it'll help curb the, the virus a little bit too. So it, the only thing I keep saying as far as the virus goes is like, it still would have disrupted a lot of sports, but like, man, if all these restrictions would have came down in like the dead of winter, it wouldn't be nearly as bad when it's getting dark at like, you know, five o'clock and stuff. But just with the time of year, man, with it just getting warm and, um, obviously the culmination of, of, the winter sports and all that is just make it a little bit harder to deal with, I guess. But what does Missouri look like? Just real quick. I mean, I know that it seems like we're doing a pretty good job in comparison to many states, but is Missouri, how is like Missouri doing overall? Very similar to Kentucky.
1: I will say the, the governor here in Missouri, um, was not, I, I guess, as proactive as some, some, some of the others have been elsewhere, but. And you'll still see the parking lot at Walmart or the parking parking lot grocery stores are still pretty packed. But anywhere you go, anything you do, I've I've actually been very surprised at how seriously everybody is taking it. Like, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking about their grandparents and they're thinking about, um, they're thinking about their neighbors and they're thinking about the community impact and 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 what their role in all of that is because there haven't been a lot of top down, um. Decisions. There haven't been a lot of top-down policies or prohibitions to direct people or to forbid certain things. I mean, schools are out. They, there was recently a stay-at-home order, but people were doing most of that on their own. You know, I think pe- people took it seriously. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I'm i going to the grocery store about once every five days because I would love to buy two weeks of groceries in advance. Just not realistic in a house with seven people. You know, we're, we'll run out of things that I'm not anticipating, right. and for the first time. I was in a mask and gloves and, and pretty much everybody else in the store, patrons and people working there were in a mask and gloves. So you could, you could see the slow escalation in terms of how seriously people are taking it. And I'm encouraged because in Missouri and Kentucky, in, in many states, in many countries, it seems like maybe not in terms of the deaths, they're kind of a lagging indicator, but in terms of like the new cases, it seems like, I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel, but it seems like The news is starting to trend in the direction of, okay, maybe we're not going to have the worst case scenario. And that's been very encouraging for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Today I had that takeaway. picture. I was looking online a lot and there was, I think the head of the CDC came out and said some positive things. So yes, I would agree at least whether they come to fruition or not, but at least the, the tidbits of positive news did start flowing today, but um, I won't keep you a ton of time, Justin. I do want to tie a couple things into um, Kentucky sports, but hang on real quick. Let's take a quick um, commercial break. One second. All right, and we are back on episode two of the Kentucky Dad Podcast. Drew Brown, Justin Rowland joining me. So, well, man, we've kind of hit, and I still I think we could have this podcast be like three hours long, and I would still have so many questions for you. I may even like want your autograph at the end, just for all the the things that you're able to do managing your family and your job. All right, but one thing I'm going to try to make this make sense what I'm about yeah. to say, and you stick with me on this. So I was just getting prepared. I said, knowing you the, the very little that I do today, and I've and even talking to you, I've, I've gotten this sense again. But you seem to have a very like um even even keel temperament, and I've seen you like ratio some dudes online like regularly, and you kind of keep that same like unemotional um factual base like very um I'm trying to think of the right words to use, but you keep a level head i think i know i'm I'm horrible but I like wearing my emotions on my sleeve really bad, yeah. sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but my the things I was thinking for that is one. Maybe obviously that I think that, that your family situation probably forces you to have greater patience than others. And two, another thing that I think separates you and the coverage that you do from many others is what we talked about earlier is that like, you know, I was, I, I moved away from Kentucky for a long time, but I was born and raised here. You know, this, this stuff runs in my blood. I was nine years old in 1996. So, I mean, it's ingrained in me and many people that run these sites. Whether they want to admit it or not, you know, they're, they're fans of Kentucky, right? They, they, they grew up that way. And I know that, you know, they can provide unbiased coverage. That's fine. But you're a little bit different in the fact that you don't fall into those molds. So I guess that was just a long way of saying is that like, you don't get, I guess, as worked up and as emotional about what's going on with Kentucky athletics as some of
1: us. And that's really why I kind of lean on you for sound minded. Yeah. Thank um, you. Well, I mean, I, I grew stuff. up a fan of Kentucky. I, I grew up in North Carolina. My dad went to UNC when Michael Jordan was there and he's a diehard UNC fan, but I did grow up a Kentucky fan and it doesn't make any sense, but I fell in love with a 92 okay. Kentucky team that lost to Duke in the NCAA tournament. And over time, I actually became more of a Kentucky football fan. Um, I mean, I, I lived and died with both, but um, when, when this became a job, I, I, Made a firm promise to myself that I was I was stepping out of the fan arena because you know I'm going to be talking to recruits. It's in my contract. You can't cheer. You can't be a person, you can't have apparel. Mm-hmm. You can't have all that. And, and you know honestly, once it became a job, the, my view on it changed. Like when Kentucky loses a basketball game, now it's really not oh crap. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. online. It's okay. Yeah. What does this mean for my business? And, you know, how, how, how am I going to write about this? How am I going to tackle it? Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm, this is my job. You know, it's just, you, you look at it differently over time when, when that happens. Maybe not everybody, but me, as far as, you know, being level headed. I hear that. I hear that a lot. And I'm not being like, this isn't false humility when I say this, but like some of that I think is not, is not so great. Like some of it is like, I lack an anchor at times in that. I feel like I could argue with myself sometimes and I don't know that that's a good, good thing. Like every time I have a strong opinion about something, if I just wait like 5 minutes, I can usually argue the the exact opposite side. And so I just I tend to see complexity very easily and I, I try to remind myself that how you feel about something, the angle that you see something from, how you view something in this moment, it might be true, but it's only a, a very narrow small part of the truth. And you're just, you're- spot on, spot on.
0: I see that in your coverage when you're, that's what I mean. Like you'll have takes a lot of times that aren't as popular, I guess you could maybe say in the moment or, or maybe just that people aren't putting them out there. And I think that's just at least my making up reasoning here is because that it's, it's coming from like a rational standpoint. And, and, and also too, you're, you're exactly right. And, and I've learned this and it's almost been kind of a negative for me, but I was, I mean, five years ago, I was the, superstitious Kentucky basketball fan. And, you know, people were going to call and check on me if we lost a bad game and then just, you know, getting the access that you do and really trying to remove that fan hat and just providing coverage, like aside from the entire damn thing getting canceled, there really wasn't much that would have upset me this year. Um, So it is different. And I know, especially for someone like you when it's your full time job, because that was actually like a worry that I had and still do have a little bit is that not just Kentucky sports, but just sports in general, college athletics are like, they're my passion. They really are. So I'm always a little bit wary to like, you know, make my turn my passion into something that I don't like. Yeah. No, I'm sure that probably makes sense Um, to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I just think, um, I'm, I'm not ever going to be out there. Trying to go viral with retweets, like honestly, I'm not, and I'm not criticizing anybody who is, but in my mind, like it's a very easy thing to do. Okay, like something happens in a game, something happens in a season, it's pretty easy to single out. This is probably what everyone's thinking, and I'm going to say what everyone's thinking to try to get a thousand retweets and two thousand likes Mm -hmm. and three thousand. I could do that if I wanted Mm -hmm. to, but I don't feel like you're actually contributing anything to. To the public discourse, to the public discussion, and you know, so so yeah, I'll, I'll tweet a lot. I'll tweet a lot of things that I think are brilliant. Like one or two people will retweet <laughs> like crickets, and nobody says anything, and it's like okay, maybe not. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm right on board with you everything you said.
0: Yeah, again, it is something that I I struggle with, and it has it's removed like a lot of my. I just don't like view the games, watch the games, cover the games like at all how I used to. And again, I think it's just it kind of becomes repetitive and i keep promising myself though like i've said multiple times on radio that i promise myself like every chance i go and cover a game like if i do photography or something like when i i'm never going to take it for granted you know i'm always wherever i'm at rep arena on the road like kind of look up because it is really yeah. cool you know things that, that we get to do and experience but um at the same time again this dynamic's really challenging like i'm in i think basically year two and a half of it now And, you know, the the wife doesn't think it's as exciting that I'm going to be in Lexington for nine hours for a football game and and stuff like that, especially when it's, you know, it's Eastern Michigan or something like that. And so, I mean, it's a huge sacrifice. And and that's something that, you know, I try to really tell guys when I see them from the media is that that stuff's hard, man. You look at like, even like, I mean, everyone knows Matt Jones, like use him as an example. I mean, when you do a radio show in the morning, a pregame show, and then a postgame show, Stuff like that. I mean, it takes up a ton of time, and I think it can be easy um, for for people that have never been exposed to it to just forget about how much work
1: it takes. And that people, that, people over time, people it really that don't does do become it, hard. And a work. lot of people want to do it. Like I agree with them. Nobody wants to hear media members complaining. Like nobody wants to, nobody wants to hear the guy complaining about what right. you know press members were served during the game. Like that. And I get it. Like we are very fortunate.
0: To right. do what we
1: do, but anything that you do becomes work. You know, every, anything you do becomes challenging. I mean, I, the, I would say the majority of my day is spent responding to angry emails and angry private messages on our site and, <laughs> and moderating comments from anonymous people online and trying to resolve disputes. Between anonymous people who are threatening one another, and like that's that's like that's there's nothing glamorous about that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I could say, hey, I want to I, I want to go cover this Elite Eight game between Kentucky and Auburn in Kansas City last year. and It's great, and when you're there, it's awesome. But that's just that's a small part of the job compared to what most of it is spent doing. Hundred percent.
0: That that was a great that was a great thing you just said too, because I think that ties in really well to the to the dad portion of this because Rivals and Cats Illustrated. It's much more geared right around like kind of like user interaction and subscribers yeah. and having that kind of like community of people that you guys really like want to engage and talk to and, you know, get their feedback and provide them content and answer their questions. So that's you basically you just kind of detail parenting and punishing like some of the people on the site. So it sounds well, like the you message have a board little is bit very important. Like, I'll be upfront about
1: this. Like there are only two reasons why people subscribe to our site it doesn't have anything to do with my analysis. Does have anything to do with my writing or my takes? They're not. They're not there for the same reason why they turn on Matt Jones or radio hosts. They want to hear takes. They want to be entertained. They're there because they want insider information, whether that's from me, the staff, or other people on the board. They want to know what's happening behind the scenes of the football and the basketball team, of the recruiting, and they want to have a stake in the message board, and the forum community, and the discussion, and the ongoing dialogue on the site, um, and, and everything that that entails. So forums and inside information. That's that's really what I spend my time focused on, because that's why people want to be on the site. And so, you know, keeping I, I can't stress how hard it is to keep a anonymous message board community from going completely off the rails every day. Like if we if we yeah. didn't have some pretty good moderators and pretty good people um, and we didn't spend a lot of time listening to people's concerns and and making rules and banning people when necessary or temporary bans, like if we weren't doing that the majority of our time. It would spin off the rails completely and it would just, it would become a train wreck. And so, so we, we spend a lot of time doing that. And like I said, it's not glamorous, but that's, that forum is why people are on the site. Yeah. I sit next to, I usually sit next to Travis
0: on press row at the basketball games and at least once a game, he'll kind of just put his phone over and I'll see something that someone yeah. wrote and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like where is their brain at? Or, so I know, <laughs> I know he does a lot of that during basketball too. And there'll be times when I'm kind of just like, Talking him off the ledge a little yeah. bit about something absolutely insane that someone put on yeah. there that he's kind of no, having I mean, to, and people work become caricatures
1: online. You know, they 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 kind of become. We've got one guy who's like the Ashton Hagens hater. Like, no matter what, Ashton Hagens could get a triple double and you know hit a buzzer beater, and you know he's going to find a way to spin it after the game. Um, that you know Hagens Hagens really didn't play that well, and you know that's going to tick off the 100 people who can't help but respond and and troll and flame the guy and bring him into discussions that he's not already into. And, and so, yeah, this, this, this cyclical predictable pattern of, of grown men, mostly men, 99% men, I would say on our site, um, just, just using their anonymity to just, um, to, to bicker and have feuds. It's pitiful, but sometimes I can sit back and kind of get a chuckle out of it. Yeah, I bet. I'm sorry. It's like anything else. Like, like you said,
0: there's nights when it's probably the best thing ever, and then other nights when you just want to pull your hair out. So, well, man, we can kind of start wrapping it up a little bit. I more than appreciate you coming on. Um I think this is, again, something fun. If you haven't listened before and you're typically listening to the Cats by 90 podcast, you can find both of these under the same feed. I'm just going to title them differently um, through Apple Podcasts under AC of Blue. If you didn't hear that first episode with TJ Beisner, definitely. That, that was a great one. Again, you, you won't find too many people that are – more closely connected to the Kentucky basketball program than TJ. So that was good stuff. And then Justin. So again, it is our only second episode, but we are trying to end each episode with a dad joke. So do you have a I've favorite? Dad I joke? saw
1: one. I saw one today from a Twitter account. <laughs> oh, that good. I just, I knew you were going to ask me this. And so I left it up because I loved it. And, and here it is. The Spanish King has been quarantined on his private jet. Dot, dot, dot. This means the reign of Spain will stay mainly on the plane. <laughs> so I got I got a kick out of that just because of COVID and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I've got dad jokes for days.
0: Those were good, man. Dan, that's going to put mine to shame now. And I'm I'm kind of in trouble, Justin. Because so I'm if you're not following, please check yep. out to at um, Kentucky Dad Pod on Twitter. So I'm kind of putting one up there every day. So my my like treasure chest is is getting depleted. So I've been having to like dig deep on some websites. So I'll give a um a really lame one here, but it was why did the scarecrow win an award? <laughs> because he was outstanding in his field. So, that was a good one. I, I actually, actually never heard that one, so I enjoyed that one, but. Man, Justin, thank you so much. Um, thank you, even your family, man, for giving you this time. I know like again, so yeah. five and this, kids, Gregory Thomas, this Matthew is a nice Lison, little reprieve Isabel, for me. Like I've been down in the chaos hands- all day
1: and I'm gonna go downstairs and they're gonna be they're gonna be screaming for me to take turns playing Fortnite with them. So that's what's that's what my night's gonna be. So that's a pretty good life. Well, let's stay in touch and I'm like saying this pretty serious
0: too. My daughter, she never has liked video games. There and just over this COVID stuff, she's on Fortnite. <laughs> And she's begging me for V-Bucks, and I told her she has to give me, like, a Shark Tank pitch of, like, I give you these V-Bucks. Like, what's your strategy when they drop you off? So she's almost got me sold, but maybe I can link them up with your kids so I know she's not doing anything terrible.
1: I'm pretty sure all my kids hate sports because they know sports are my job, and my job keeps me away from, you know, them, you know, doing – absolutely whatever they want me to do. And so they are totally out of sports. I'm a Cub Scout leader with them and, and they love being outdoors and, and, but not sports. They're not sports. It's interesting. As, as big a part of my life as it is, none of them are big sports fans.
0: Well, just one last tie in too. That's funny. That's twice in a row now because TJ Beisner's kids, um, you know, his son obviously plays football for Kentucky, but they're not into that into basketball very much. And I was just like blown away by that. You would think if you're, you know, your dad's the right hand man for John Calipari, that they just like, living and breathing basketball. And they weren't much into it either. So I have to make a mental note of that and see if that's like a reoccurring theme as I keep going. If a lot of the kids maybe,
1: uh, and I'm never going to be the kind of guy that pushes it on. Like One thing I try to do is I try to be passionate and show them that I'm passionate about what they're passionate about. So Greg is really into building and doing things with his hands. And Tom is really into art and being creative. And Matt's really into just rolling around and fighting and, you know, you see what brings them joy and what brings them happiness, what makes them light up and just do a little bit of that every day. And that's that's where the bonding happens. That's uh that's where we're at. And that's what I'm trying to do. Good stuff, man. That's a great that's a great
0: quote to end it on. Well, thanks again, Justin from Rivals. Um, We really appreciate it. Um...